0: Hi folks, Curtis Shelburne here and welcome to the Focus on Faith with Curtis Shelburne podcast. A good place just to be and breathe and hang out for a while as we share some words about life in Christ. And that's all of it, I think. Life that is. The good, the bad, the fun, the sad, the deepest joys, the toughest sorrows, all of it. I think we're going to have a good time and I hope you enjoy this. I hope you tell your friends about it and I hope you come back. This episode Episode number 50, that's kind of a milestone, isn't it, is called The Gracious Become More Gracious. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Sure is good to have you with us today. We have got what we call Grand Camp coming up this weekend, and it will be great memories. It's going to be a lot of fun. I have a lot of lofty goals and ideals and hopes for the weekend. I also have one or two that maybe are a little of a lesser nature, such as survival. My wife and I are having our seven grandkids here for the weekend. No parents, just the seven grandkids. The weekend, and maybe a little bit more. We've got, I don't know exactly how all of this is arranged. That's more her thing. But uh, I'm all in with playing with grandkids, and we'll have a great time with them. And all of us will be utterly exhausted when it's over. But we'll make some good memories. So that's coming up this weekend. I thought I'd try to get this podcast ready to go, at least partially, before we jump into that big weekend. Do you like mysteries? I do. I love mysteries. Now, they have to be the right kind of mystery. Some of them get so involved that my brain just bleeds and I really don't enjoy it all that much. But mysteries where you have a character, who lives in his particular setting and he has a sidekick or two and that kind of thing. And they're kind of a little formulaic, although some of them are really pretty involved in a good way. You kind of know the way the things are going to go. You sort of know that there'll be some kind of denouement at the end where everything is revealed A lot of time, you know, they'll bring all of the prime suspects together and they'll have a revelation there as the great detective or whoever spells out the whole thing and says, Yeah, this seemed like we'd never figure this out, but I saw this, this, and this, and I deduced from all of this that you, sir, are the murderer. And it's fun. I know lots of TV kinds of mysteries like that. I tend to enjoy those I've got a couple of British TV series like that that I just love to binge watch. My wife and I have been working on a couple of three of those. They're fine. I don't know. Maybe one of the reasons that at least I enjoy those is that there's a lot of life that's a little difficult to unravel to me. We all have things that we go through, some problems that we or people that we love or our world in general are facing, and we know that they're very, very difficult to unravel but here you go. You can't just solve most of those, but here we go. You go to a story like this, and it just seems like they can't figure it out, but hey, they do, and it works out. I like that. We need some stories like that in our lives. One of my favorite series is the Rex Stout series that was set mostly in the 40s that deals with Nero Wolfe, the great New York detective Wolf stays at his brownstone. He will not leave it. He solves, he takes very few clients, by the way. But when he does take a client, he solves their mysteries from his home. He does not, except on rare occasions, leave his home. And he's not happy to when that happens. He stays there. Nero is, oh, I imagine 300 pounds or so at least. He's a good-sized guy. He's got Fritz Brenner there, who is his gourmet chef. Kind of nice to have one of those. It also impacts your weight. And he has a specially made chair that fits him. And he loves the chair. He loves his office. He has a very regular schedule. He works in the plant rooms. If I'm not mistaken, I've forgotten exactly. But from, I think, 9 to 11 and 2 to 4 every day. I mean, that is inviolable. He goes up there with Theodore Horseman, the orchid expert that he has on staff works with those plants. I suppose Mr. Horseman's up there all of the time. About 10,000 orchids. That's a bunch. Yeah, it's an incredible place. Wolf goes up there. He is incredibly regular in his habits and will brook no sort of a wrench ever thrown into his schedule. His meal will be ready at six. You don't discuss business over food. Food is far too important for that. A meal is an event. Boy, they really are an event at his brownstone apartment there. Fritz Brenner does an amazing job. Now, the stories are always told from the perspective of Archie Goodwin, Wolf's right-hand man. Well, he actually plays the part, a lot of similarities here, to Dr. Watson of Sherlock Holmes fame. But there's a big difference here. Watson is always amazed by the great man Sherlock, as all of us are. I love those stories, too. I love what Sherlock does and how he makes his deductions. But Watson is invaluable to Sherlock. And of course, Watson is writing the stories. That's a big deal. But Watson is in awe of the great man. He just uh, has unlimited respect for him. He sees some weaknesses for sure, but he really is in awe of the guy. Archie Goodwin just makes Wolf's life, I started to say miserable. You can tell they really do have real affection for each other, but they're needling each other all the time. Goodwin knows that Wolf is far too lazy to ever work unless the bank balance is low. Boy, when he gets those gray cells going, I'm thinking of Poirot here. There's some other great stories. Ah, Agatha Christie. You got to love those mysteries. But when he gets the gray cells working, as Poirot does, Wolf has plenty of gray cells. When he gets those working, it is work. And so he doesn't like to do it unless the bank balance is low and he really needs to work and Goodwin is always saying, you know you haven't worked in a month now. It's really time, etc., you know, and he gets after him. Goodwin needles him, Goodwin cajoles him, Goodwin makes fun of him. Wolf of course responds in kind, but it's just fun to be in their house and to see how they relate together and it's a great place to be. And isn't that what a lot of this is about? We like to spend time with sherlock and watson we like to spend time with poirot and the characters that show up in the agatha christie mysteries we like to spend time i do with goodwin and wolf it's just fun to be there the mystery itself is really kind of extra well there are so many mysteries of course kind of like these that i could mention i really enjoy them they're a lot of fun One of my favorite is the series The Cadphile Chronicles, written by Ellis Peters. Ellis Peters is the pen name for Edith Pargater. She wrote these great cadphile chronicles that feature a medieval detective. These stories are quite unique because the detective here is a monk in a Benedictine abbey in Shrewsbury in England. Brother Cadphile lives there. He's the herbalist there. We'll talk a little more about that later on. But he also is an amateur detective. He falls into all sorts of mysteries and does an amazing job in solving these mysteries. Again, the detective series is set in 12th century England. This is not what you would expect for a detective series. Not today. And the detective is a monk. This is not what you would expect for a detective series in any day. It really is kind of a neat thing and it's fun to spend time with Brother Cadfile. We'll spend a little in just a few minutes. Not much of an ad today, but just a very little one. A lot of my ads are kind of centered on my website and some of the things that you might find there that you might enjoy. There are some things for sale there, as I've mentioned before. My music is for sale there. I've got some books for sale there and I'd love it if you take a look at those. But there are some absolutely free things there that you might enjoy. My blog posts are reposted there. You can go back and find all of the episodes of this podcast there. And so there's a lot of stuff there that's free, and I would love for you to take advantage of that. Let me talk to you just briefly about another free thing. My brother Gene and I have been working with the Christian Appeal devotional magazine. It's a monthly little pamphlet, 20 pages or so. Gene's been working with it for almost 60 years, and I can't believe it, but I've been working with it now for almost 40 years. The Christian Appeal devotional magazine. We try to make it something that any Christian could pick up and enjoy. We try to make it something that crosses denominational lines, something that almost any even sort of semi-conservative Christian, uh, that's a squirrely word, but maybe you know what I mean, could pick up and derive benefit from and enjoy. It's available on our website at www.christianappeal.com. All of the issues are there. You might enjoy going to that website and taking a look at a few. Now, I'll tell you a secret, and it's not a secret. We've decided that probably enough is enough. It's been a great run. But we've decided that our June 2023 issue will be our last issue. 60 years of the magazine in pretty much its present format. It's been changed a little bit. But anyway, 60 years is an awful long time. But all good things have to come to an end. And there's a time to throw a party and thank God for the good that's been done and say, it's time. Well, it's time. But all of those issues, the back issues, all of the 60 years of issues are there available on the website. You really might enjoy reading some of those. And if you'd like to have a subscription in the meantime, between now and June 2023, you are more than welcome to drop me a note on the website. We'll put you on the physical subscription list and you will get an actual physical devotional magazine once a month for the months that are left. And again, we're planning to leave the website up for a good long time so that people can keep on enjoying those good articles and some really great issues that I think will bless you. ChristianAppeal.com. And now, let's focus on faith. Yes, indeed, how's this for the setting for a series of mystery novels? It's 12th century England. Following a long career as a soldier and later as a ship's captain, a short but sturdy Welshman, who still rolls a bit when he walks, as if he were still at sea, has, quote, taken the cowl. Kind and wise, he has taken vows as a monk in a Benedictine monastery, where he is in charge of the herbarium, growing all sorts of herbs and vegetables from which he blends healing ointments and medicines. Often he finds himself playing the lead role in a medieval cross between Sherlock Holmes, CSI, and Law and Order as he becomes a kind of monkish detective. I have just described the Brother Cadfile mystery series written under the pen name of Ellis Peters by Edith Pargeter. Many of the stories have been adapted for television by the BBC starring Derek Jacoby as Brother Cadphile, and are available through Netflix, etc. They're really well done, though the best movie can never beat a book. I love the series, and I love Brother Cadphile, a wise, good-humored man with the kind of robust, Christ-like goodness that loves both the Lord and the Lord's gift of life. No surprise that Cadfile finds himself in hot water at times with the pretentiously pious powers that be. Cadfile is true to the Spirit of God and to what is best in his monastic order, but he has seen enough of both the world and his Lord to know that God truly does desire mercy and not sacrifice. I like spending time with him. I was listening to the audio version of one of the Cadphile books the other day, it happens to have been the holy thief, when I came across a quotation that made me think. A servant girl has fallen in love with a young man about to take his vows as a monk, and that's a problem. But a bigger problem is that he is presently accused of murder, and he's being dealt with sternly by a particularly self-righteous abbot. The girl says openly to Brother Cadfile for anyone with a good spirit knows they can trust the good brother. These monastics, they are what they are born, only with a vengeance. If they come into the world hard and cold, they end up harder and colder. If they come generous and sweet, they grow ever sweeter and more generous. All one or the other. What do you think? I think she's on to something not just about monks or pastors or other religious professionals. We note it in them particularly because we know deep down that following a gracious Lord should make us gracious people. And don't we see that beautifully illustrated, resoundingly true, in the life of Christ? The Son of God showed us the Father, His grace, His mercy, His beauty the love that he has for the life that he created. And yet, who does Jesus run afoul of most often? The religious guys who knew a lot about religion, but seemed to know nothing at all about God. They certainly had no relationship with him. Are we surprised, though, when we come to this great story in the Cadphile Chronicles? Don't we often see in all people exactly what the girl describes to Cadphile? The gracious become more gracious until their winsome lives seem warmed within by deep joy. They seem that way because they are that way. The critical and hard become harder and more critical until cold and alone they break. We see it happening, and I see in it both warning and hope. To choose to be cold and hard, or to choose to be warm and gracious we have a choice. May we choose well. One day, sooner than we think, we'll have chosen the direction and set sail, unlikely to look back, and even less likely to tack against the wind. Well, again, thank you for joining us on this Focus on Faith with Curtis Shelburne podcast. I'm so glad you chose to join us, and I hope you'll come back and spend some time with us again. If you like it, why don't you tell some friends about it? Sure would appreciate it. Have a great day.